0: everyone, this is Regina. So glad you could join us today. We want you to know that we record live on Clubhouse every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let's get into our discussion today.
1: Gerald, thank you again for this time and opportunity to talk about these things. We pray that people will be encouraged and equipped and that they will use this information this Christmas, in fact. In Jesus'
2: name I pray, amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Did you say you hope they'll use it this Christmas? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want us to, You want the uh, ER department to be full, huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, if you can't talk about religion during Christmas, what else can you talk about?
0: Yeah. Right, not not the way we're posing it. <laughs> not the way we are posing it. Okay, Kevin, I'm going to put you on. There you are. There you go. Okay. All right, everyone. So we are, if you've got any people, ping them in the room. Um, We are going to move on in our conversation today about atheism and Darwinism and the question is, are they the same thing? And um, our last two discussions we really got into Communism, Um, but what I want to do is discuss now uh, some of these points that are in the book that um kevin has made and then we kind of cross into um this idea of god damning Narwhis- darwinism right and so let me just read a couple of a bullet points or things for us to think about and then we're gonna hop right into uh defining atheism because I don't know that we truly, you know, understand the the whole breadth of that and what that means. We generally, I think, at least for myself, sometimes I think it just means someone who doesn't believe in God and that it's that simple, you know, like there's nothing else. So um, so a few questions. Um, The facts supplied in the preceding pages about Mark's and his fervent reliance on Darwinism should raise many questions. Those who are awakening and are not knee-jerk ideological, but rather are wise, prudent, and thoughtful, will begin to ask questions similar to the following. One, how can businesses, corporations, and organizations who kowtow to woke mobs Assert they are ethical while standing with those who encourage race superiority, Darwinist white supremacy, and scientific racism, eugenics and Planned Parenthood, embodied in what we have as cultural Marxism. Should business ethics include rejecting hateful and destructive doctrines and movements? I know I'm supposed to go on to the next question, but (laughs) <laughs> that question right there, in number one, like how, how do we even get businesses to have that conversation? Anyone got any thoughts? I mean, sure, we don't want businesses to do that, but yet it's a private industry, right? Can't they do and believe and enact what they want to do? Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah,
3: we get them to have that conversation by putting them on, put them on blast, put them on front street. You know, uh, you know, uh, we have the other, uh, you know, other folks that will uh, go in there and do shakedowns to the board of directors and everything else. We need to become more vocal. Uh, we need to become more um, pushy, for lack of a better term, uh, to to the extent that we, we go to these um, business owners. And we say, look, uh, you, you may not have known. So there's some ignorance that was involved here. But here's the here, here's the facts. Here's the deal. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a better way. And, and the way is to reject Marxism, uh, and, and all of the racism therein and, uh, allow us to have some conversations with you, some real conversations about real change, uh, real unity within your workforce. So, um, you know, I think, I think that as these facts about, you know, Marx, Darwin, all these folks come out, um, you know, the pressure can be put on, but I think this has been obscured and uh, sort of glossed over for so long. It's going to take a little while for us to get there, but I think we will.
0: So how do I walk into my... So am I going to my local Walmart? You know, am I going to the mom and pop store on the corner? Like, so where... Where do I even begin? Should I find an organization that's already doing this work? You know, how, how do I begin if I'm concerned about organizations? Where do I begin? Uh, Lonnie and then Kevin, because Lonnie, I see you're off.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to comment, though, um, that um, having spent time in the tech sector, I know Kevin and and Neil as well, Uh, there was a time when uh, businesses and specifically the uh, tech industry was uh, just about uh, innovation and and competition. That was their chief concern Um, and ideologies and and, uh, worldviews and so forth. Um, It it wasn't something that came to the forefront. And and when did that all change? I remember uh, during uh, uh, Steve Jobs' tenure at Apple, that's that's not something that ever came up they just wanted to compete and win and and um and dominate a market segment but then with the uh uh the advent of, of cook after jobs um uh passing um that's when i really began to notice that you know from an apple standpoint they start to comment on things that we're discussing now and having a particular world view uh, that well it doesn't line up with what we believe um but business should, business should have no place in, in, in commenting in these areas, and I just find it interesting that uh, there was a shift that took place, and now um, all these companies uh, tend to act and, and, and be uh, woke, so to speak.
3: Yeah, I think it uh, it took place uh, really uh, on the lead up to the Obama administration and, and during Obama's reign. Uh, which continues to this day. Um, so, you know, I think that that was the, the real catalyst, really, for uh, putting us in this uh, era of, you know, ultra-sensitivity towards race. Um, so, you know, but you, you don't have these conversations of going to your local Walmart, right, because they don't make any decisions there. Corporate decisions are in corporate headquarters, and corporate decisions are made at the board level. And so this is really something that needs to be taken up at, at a higher level within these organizations. Now, I do think that employees could could help sensitize their workplaces and provide, uh, for instance, the training that we do at Every Black Lives Matters, uh, uh, provide our training as an alternate uh, training uh, for the other types of trainings that are already going on in their workplaces. And so, Ultimately, um, the more influence we can have with the book and with the trainings and, and um, with et cetera, uh, articles we're writing and, and videos we're putting out, those types of things, um, we're going to be able to have some impact on some of these things as they occur across the country. But for right now, we, we have to you know just keep pressing and take, take advantage of whatever opportunity comes our
0: way. You. Oh, go ahead, Lonnie. I was
2: just um, thinking um, during my association with the American Family Radio that when Target decided um, it wanted to allow uh, uh, cross-dressing, I don't know if that's a proper term, but uh, males into women's restrooms because they profess to be female, though they're in fact male, um, that we mounted an effort from a marketing standpoint to say that... Uh, you know, do you still shop at Target knowing that your daughter or your your wife uh, can be put at risk um, by these individuals coming into the uh, in, in, into the restrooms and the dressing rooms? And um, it, it, it had impact. And um, and we had some impact on their bottom line four season. But what was really interesting is the uh, Target continued on with this. They, they were had the audacity to say that uh, uh, we don't care. Um, what the uh, the public is stating in in this uh, event that we launched several years ago and so uh, those are the kind of things that we have to do and we must continually do these types of things and um, if corporate america is woke and someone was telling me and they said well Lonnie, they're all woke so you know you know what can we do Um, pick a company you know pick pick some organization that you can um, voice your opinion to and, and mount even something in social media which is what we did and Then we carried it over the radio programming as well um, that can have an impact at least to to wake these individuals up, at least for them to think twice before they decide to go down this road.
0: Not that I want to create more work for myself, (laughs) but, you know, I think our organization is, we had talked about doing chapters, right? We had talked about having not a brand ambassador, but we had talked about having, you know, memberships or points in different parts of the country, because really it has to be spearheaded. I don't know that. Um, and there are people who are in their state or their community to be like, yeah, I would do it, but there's support that's needed, right? There's training, there's talking points, there's material. Um, There are, uh, you know, how would you galvanize them if there's not a already established group, Facebook group, you know, chat, how would you email thread, you know, so as an individual, how do we galvanize them? And I, I, you know, over the course of our time together, I've seen emails come in and people are like, you know. Do you have a chapter in my state? <laughs> Do you have this? And I think this conversation uh brings up a point for us to consider on i mean we have the textbook already and woked up right, so that uh there is a way to organize at least give them the talking points, the training, the understanding uh but it is definitely not um something that would be successful launched alone. I think people are going to want to uh connect with other people you know if there's a certain corporation that has a headquarters in their state or their city, right, and you know they wanted to go to a a business meeting or they wanted to. I set some appointments. There are people around them that they would need to galvanize that they would want to, and that they would want the talking points and they'd want the support and a little bit of the hand holding to do that and it It may be time for us to consider that of course i I realize what I'm saying. <laughs> I can see your face Kevin <laughs> I see I realize who who's going to be uh organizing that stuff to a degree right but if we're going to help the community have a voice even in just the idea of talking to corporations i'm just talking myself into a, into more work let me let me be quiet now go back to reading <laughs> neil you want to say anything
1: i uh, know i think kevin uh, articulated that quite right i mean that's how we have to do we have to go inside uh, i okay i will i will comment on this i think as a whole, Christians and conservatives are very wimpy about this. They just don't, they don't take action like the left does. And so even though we're a larger majority of the people, and um, we have abdicated our responsibility by just not getting involved. Like when, the, when um, the target boycott was called, it lasted for a while, but then people just went back to shopping there again. So, I mean, I, it definitely had an effect. But, I mean, Target should have lost 50% of their business because most of the people who shop there are parents and families who tend to be conservative. But they didn't lose 50% of their business. I think they lost like 15 to 20% of their business. So, uh, you know, I think if we were more diligent about what what it is that we're doing and more uh, single-minded, I think we'd be able to accomplish a whole lot more.
0: You know, Neil, in that, that already puts me in the mindset that after this book, we need to go into Jesus Was Involved in Politics.
1: <laughs> Sounds good to me.
0: <laughs> that needs to be our next series that um we discuss because uh, in general, I think Christians um, feel that uh, they don't need to be involved or they should just pray. Right. You know, yeah. And that they should... They should just pray. And there's also the idea that, you know, the world's coming to the end anyway. So they got their suitcase packed.
1: and that, know, yeah. They're ready and,
0: for the rapture. <laughs> and that's the biggest
1: frustration because people are like, well, the end is coming. I'm like, do you wish that the Republican Party had said the end is coming? We don't need to free the slaves. You know, we still have slaves today, right? Uh, we still have racism today. How dare you think the end is coming and so we don't need to do anything?
2: Amen.
0: Yeah, and it's more than, and even along with that, I think there is, we are, depending on your culture, you're not as focused as some other cultures on generations, right? What you pass on to the next generation. Uh, Many of us are just trying to live our life now Right. And now is all that matters. And honestly, I tell you, when you read the scriptures, the apostles thought Yeshua was coming back next month. (laughs) You know, when you read it, they thought he'd be back. Well, first of all, they didn't think he'd really die. Right. Right. (laughs) And so then when he's like, yeah, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Hello, I'm going to die. And then he dies But he says he's coming back. And so then he comes back. And then when he goes up in the cloud, he's like, you know, I'm sending you a comforter. And they're like, okay, cool. You know, so Holy Spirit comes and they're like, great, they got that. And, you know, so a few years, they're expecting him to return. You know, that's, that's almost 2000 years ago. Yep. Ask anybody, you know, 40 years ago. And they're like, oh, he's coming back. Remember when 2000, (laughs) 1999, we were switching over to 2000 (laughs) and that whole, you know, gen, that whole thing about the the 2000 and that was the time, you know. And so here we are 22 years later. And I think the thought is any moment now, right? Any moment now.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's It's every generation has thought Christ was returning, right? I mean, uh, in 1988, (laughs) I remember there was 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 88, or I think it was in 87 he released it, right? And then Haller, Harold Camping came along, and he did his stuff. And if you go back earlier, you know, the, the Jehovah Witnesses, their whole thing is that Christ was going to come back in, in 1914 and then 1944 and you know, or something like that. There were all these things. And if you go back even before that, uh, right after the Great Awakening and the Second Great Awakening. Oh, well, the Second Great Awakening. Okay, Christ is coming back, right? So in the 1800s, and 1700s. You know, so people have, absolutely, as you said, people have always thought he's coming back. The question is, if he doesn't come back, is he going to find you here sitting around saying, oh, he's coming back and not doing anything? I think God's going to turn to the to the Christians, and he's going to say, what did you do with the country I gave you, the nation I gave you? I gave you a nation that is the most giving nation in the world. America gives nine times more than everybody else, and the next closest ones right america is the most sending nation we have sent more evangelists more missionaries we're the most healing nation we've created more hospitals around the world than anywhere in the world we have the highest technology nation than anywhere in the world we have the highest. we used to have the highest freedoms in all the world and you're just sitting around doing nothing god's going to come back and says i gave you this greatest sending nation and now instead of sending people out people have to send people to america to save you you're the greatest uh economic nation, and now you're an economic diary. You're, you used to have the greatest number of Christian population, and now you're that's diminishing. And then he'll say, what did you do with what I gave you? And they'll say, but you were coming back anywhere, and he'll say,
2: out into the outer darkness. Amen. 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 It's my utter frustration in that um, in speaking with uh, clergy, and uh, Kevin and I have discussed this at length, in um, them having the mindset, and um, I always look at uh, clergy as the field generals in God's mighty army, and um, the field generals uh, need to lead and setting examples. So as the uh, leadership goes, uh, so does the uh, congregation or the rest of the arm of the uh, military ranks. And um, but they're yeah, they have their backs packed. I used to say on the show that they're sitting there with their backs packed at the train station, waiting for that train to come, that Jesus train to take them out of here. And the train comes, and they say, oh that's not the train. And then another train comes by, and oh, that's not the train. Well, he's coming. And uh, meanwhile, you know, as the old saying goes, Rome burns, right? Yeah. So uh, we both fight and 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 the other thing is what are to have that mindset? I said, "Well, what if you're wrong, and you have that mindset, and your grandchildren and your great great grandchildren suffer because of what you didn't do in this time in your lifetime when we have this great nation that we could lean upon because it sets so many standards throughout the globe, and you let it fall asunder because of the uh the anti god evil agenda Yep
0: And so I wonder how many I hope we get a chance to get to atheism today because if we don't that's fine but I would I would dare say how many of us by our mere actions live like we're atheists You know um in the things that we don't do and the things that we read and how we don't move and um understanding occupying we are the local people of wherever you are you know it, it we're not trying to necessarily tell you to pack up your bags and move to a third world country to preach Jesus why not fix your yard <laughs> where you are first occupy where you are be the light you know where you are there's there's nothing wrong with that it doesn't buck up against any ideas of colonization and you know pushing things and your culture is where you are at this particular moment if you are in canada or new mexico or massachusetts if you're in you know london if you are in Vietnam, wherever you are. Occupy that space in a way that would be representative of how we saw Jesus, Yeshua, walk through the earth, through we walk through his his community. Go ahead, Neil.
1: Yeah, so absolutely. In fact, you just reminded me of it, the, the I mean, that whole concept of occupy. I mean, Jesus said, "Occupy until I return," and. He also, if you go back to the, uh, the exile, the Jews were in exile for 70 years, right? And in those 70 years, they were told by the prophets, settle down, make a home of it, do your business, get involved with the local community, be part of it. Don't separate yourself from that community. Engage, right? And they knew it was only 70 years. Right, if they'd been reading the listening of the prophets, they would have known that they're in exile for seventy years and then they're gonna to return to their land. And we see them doing exactly that, getting involved, being part of the, the businesses, being part of the economy, being part of all that. And now here we are, you know, in twenty twenty two and the Christians are saying, Oh, Jesus is coming back any day. Well, come on, we've been saying that for, you know, what, two thousand years and he hasn't come back. Do you think that you need to start occupying like you told us to? So anyway, my frustration.
0: <laughs> yeah, Neil, you're going to have to find that in your book or find some of those scriptures because when you say that, um I'm like, no, they didn't. The prophets did not tell them to. In fact, I'm I'm saying in my head, no, the prophets told them to should not pick up the culture, to not marry the wives from the from the other cultures to, you know, not follow the false gods. So I'm gonna need some scripture. I'm not yeah, balanced. yeah, yeah. No, so
1: yeah, so they. I mean, you're absolutely right. They weren't supposed to follow the false god, which like we're not supposed to be following false gods. They're not supposed to pick up the evil parts of their culture, like we're not supposed to pick up the. But they were supposed to embrace the culture in the sense that anything that was moral. And but they were supposed to get involved in business. They were supposed to set up shop. They're supposed to trade. They're supposed to get involved politically. I and mean, if you can look at the examples that we have, we have. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, we have uh, Daniel, you know, Belshazzar, we have all these guys getting involved, so part of it, Esther and Mordecai, you know, we have got this whole system, I mean, Mordecai was making the laws, right, um, and was protecting the king, <laughs> the king who was, conquered them, he was actually protecting him, right, he discovered a, a plot to kill the king, and so uh, we see that they were well in, involved in there, but they were told not to worship their gods which they didn't as we know not to worship their king as we know so absolutely yeah I, that's those are easy passages to find yes
0: <laughs> okay <clears throat> that's good because um thank you for saying those things it's, it's it's right there blatant right if you just look at the book of Esther <laughs> you know about getting involved in in the things that were happening in the community yep um so yeah I think we have to reevaluate that. And um, if not this group, then who, you know, um, who are, who are the ones that are uh, going to reevaluate? There you go, Kevin, I'll put you back there. (laughs) So um, who are the ones that are going to, you know, lead the example we've got, these great books, right? Woked up and Jesus was involved in politics. Um I think I'm just talking to myself here. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. So we were asking the question about how what do we say to businesses? And I think there is some follow-up that needs to happen on our end as an organization to begin to put the tools in, um, other people's hands or at least help to support. And, and I can roll with that. Right. Because that, I mean, if you, if you look at the structure, which we talked about last week, right, Neil, about a Republic really. And what Moses did, what, 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 what God told Moses to do in setting up the structure was a real Republic, right? 10 people. And you have a leader and then there's a leader over those 10 groups of people but there is one you know main person in charge at the at the top of the pyramid but everything was a theocratic the everything was god's law right right uh, everything was was governed by that and so if we want to lead that example and if we want to put forth that example to the community i think that we can
1: but right, and here's another point. If you notice, the commandment from God was one in ten people should be politically involved. Right, so one in ten. This should be every family that the tenth family or the tenth person should be so one in ten should be politically involved, and you know we, we barely see that. So,
0: you know, because we don't think of politics in in the Torah, we're like you know. <laughs> I think we think now that politics is strictly man made um establishment of what we see now with Congress and Capitol and White House. You know, we don't really understand uh or we don't understand how politics looked like during the time in the old testament. When it yeah. and it was always there. It's it's not it is not anything new, but we have Manipulated it, changed it, you know, given it new definitions and defines, when really it is something that has always been seen. I mean, why were there wars? Why did you need kings? Why did you need judges? You know, why did the prophets have to go and speak to people? Why, you know, were there city boundaries? Why we see in the laws, were there, you know, the priests, the Levites? Right, we're set about to establish, to teach, and to perform, and to heal, and be the doctors, and be the army. I mean, all of that is politics.
1: Absolutely, yes. I mean, if you think about it, you can't get away from politics. And well, as some of the philosophers said, you might ignore politics, but politics wouldn't won't ignore you. So, and and but I think it's it's a it's a brainwashing of the left. The left has. Um, Specific And this is a very common communist plot. Uh, it's, a, it's a little known fact that back back in when Lenin took over Russia, it, you know that whole thing. He took over Russia without firing a single shot, right? Uh, because they basically, there was a lot of upheaval. There were lots of different groups that were wanting the Tsar to leave. And the Tsar left, left the castle, the palace, and Lenin's men kind of marched into the palace and noticed that there was nobody there. And there were multiple other competing groups, much better groups. You know, there was a Republican, there was a a group of uh, Republican-type, there was a Republican movement that wanted representation by the people, and they were there, and then uh, the communists were there, and there was a bit different factions of socialists were there, the unionists were there. So Lenin walks in with his people, they take over the palace, and they say, Okay, we're in control now. And all the Russians were like, wait, that, wait, no, who are these guys? We don't even know who these guys are. You know, this is some schmuck from, from Europe who, you know, who has been funded by you know, the Rothschild. I mean, they didn't know that at the time. But uh, why, why does he get to decide who it? Is? And then they spread the word. They says, no, 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 the army is going to come back. Just go with the plan. It's all according to plan. We will come back and take over. Don't worry about it. It's all planned. But that was Lenin spreading that rumor that, oh, it's, it's all going according to plan. Just stay, stay calm until, until we need you. We'll call you when we need you. And so all these other groups were silenced by this propaganda that the communists were spreading. Makes you think of Q, right? Q on on? <laughs> just it's all going according to plan. Don't worry about it. It's all the secret plan that nobody knows, but everybody knows, and and that's exactly what the governments were spreading back there, and they're still doing that today. Oh no, it's all you know. It's all coming. It's all according to plan. Just just wait for Jesus to come back, or uh, you you shouldn't be involved in politics. You know, it's all going according to plan. It's all, and so I think a lot of the people who are spreading these words are either are either part of the plan, or are just deceived by the plan. And the answer is no, nobody's going to take, nobody's going to come to your rescue until you step up and, and do what needs to be done.
0: That's a lot. I'm getting a lot of real understanding and, and clarity as to, you know, just some things that I'd never thought about. And so having these discussions, I hope that's working for other people as well, um, I'm gonna invite some of our guests up if they want to comment, but I think that we don't really look at The beginning of our Bible and understand That everything that we see in the New Testament Came from they were only following the Old Testament because there was no New Testament When they were walking the earth, right? Yep, and um We have we have lost, and, it, and it's more than I think it's more than just the left. I think it's evil, right? It is it's evil because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right, but against principalities and powers and wickedness yep. in high places. and so those evils have been around forever. The left has not been around, you know, for four, six, thousand generations, I mean um, millennia but evil has, right? So evil has has always been there and it has always been the thing that has um, brought division and separated us from what should be the Garden of Eden that we are living in and we're walking in. What should be the government and structure of politics that our creator set up? And I don't think we look at The way that Moses was able to be a leader over 3 million people, you know, without telephones, (laughs) without newspaper, you know, there were no railroads. There there was just so many things that were not existent, but they were able to set up something that would govern them and that they were a wealthy people and that they're who they were when they were in right alignment with him. Other nations feared them, right? But when they got out of sync, then they got taken over. And can we bring that same example to us now? We, as people of faith, have gotten out of sync for a long time. But it was such a slow drift. It was a slow drift. Yes, Neil, go ahead.
1: Oh no, no, I I wasn't saying anything. I
0: think it was just a. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, corporations. We we should question them on their business ethics, including, you know, rejecting hateful and destructive doctrines and movements. And I'm pretty sure we're gonna get in here and we, we've talked about this before on this platform that it's not just corporations. You need to be at your board of education meetings, you need to be at your town zoning, um, you need to be at city councils, uh, you need to be at those things in your communities. So the next question, or the next thought, I'm going to move on, is uh, point two. Now that historical precedents have been uncovered, connecting Marxism to Darwin's racism, white supremacy, genocide, the active and intentional undermining of existing social order, including the nuclear family, business, and economies, and faith religion, how should we respond to Marxism as it influences our schools, curriculums, K through college? How should we respond to school boards as they thoroughly embrace all Darwinian theories and significantly pivot toward the diabolical reprobation of Marxism and critical theories, critical race theories? Uh, So that's point two on a thought on what we need to do. I'm not sure if we can inject atheism in here yet, but that's another. Anyways, that's just point two or a second thought that we should think about. The third thought is since Marx used Darwin's terms, referring to blacks as guerrillas and worse, when will we demand a public renouncement and denouncement of Marx? knowing how Marx and Engels felt about blacks and other ethnic minorities aren't those who continue to support Marx, Marxism, cultural Marxism, and associated accoutrements, by definition, racist, white supremacist, and eugenics. And I think until we begin to teach people, uh, most are going to look around their world and say, well, I don't see Marx or Darwin anywhere, right? No, one's wearing a t-shirt that says I love Darwin or well, they might be with Karl Marx, but for the most part, you know, they're not wearing something big and bold, like the devil's not standing there in a red suit with a pitchfork and horns and a tail. So recognizing that evil works through these, um, philosophies, trains of thoughts, um, and movements means that it has to be fully and completely rejected because it, there's no way for it to get saved. You know, (laughs) like Marxism, Darwinists, they can't get saved. They can't be baptized. And and now they've turned their life around right there. It is evil. And it, it does have a place and judgment at the end of the world. But until then, it is going to do all that it can to disrupt and keep most of us distracted. Yes, Neil, you're off mic.
1: Well, I mean, I think, yeah, we don't see them walking around with it. But they're being taught, our kids are being taught us in high schools and in, in grade school and colleges, right? So yeah, there's nobody going around saying, "Oh, Marx was great." Although there was a while where people were making, wearing Che Guevara t-shirts, and and I think um, what Kevin has done is a great thing because now I can go up to somebody and say, "Well, did you know that Che Guevara was a racist? You know, did you know that Marx was a racist? You know," and and people look at you with what? Who? You know? Uh, but I think the uh, uh, we while they're not out there and open. They are definitely out there around us and surrounding us. And that's the kind of thing that we have to target and eliminate. Otherwise, we'll go down with the ship.
0: But they've hidden it in the books. Yeah. Right? Because you 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 have to know what's being taught. And it's in a book. Although well, there are some schools that don't have books, but we won't go there right now. <laughs> um, but it's being put in, in writing, as you said, that's being taught to... Our children and again that's the idea of are we really concerned about building generational wealth right and is generational wealth to us only financial capital there are other things that create and allow generational wealth to survive that a mindset that helps you create generational wealth right that helps you see that in your family divorce is down You know, that you see marriages for 30 and 40 years. You see happy, well adjusted children. You see, and you can see that in homes without marriage. I'm not saying that that's the only way. But what I am pointing out or what I want us to look at is that are you thinking about leaving generational wealth? And I'm not just talking about finances, right? Are you leaving a legacy? Are you training your children in the way that they should go? So when they are old, they will not depart. And I think we've been deceived on what that looks like. If they're not a pastor, an evangelist, a prophet, you know, if they're not in the church three and four times a week, is that our define of, you know, training our children up? Is that our define of them not departing because we got some snakes that are pastors, right? <laughs> and the thing with it is, is that many of them are leading their congregation astray by siding with or allowing in their pulpits or, um, making association with those individuals who are clearly supporting this socialist Marxist agenda. And because it's not called that, because he dresses, you know, nice and his wife is the first lady sitting on the row fanning herself and, you know, the choirs there that somehow Marxism, Darwinism, atheism, socialism is not sitting in my church and it's not teaching me and i'm not you know we've got to look at it different than when we send our children to school that we are in some aspects putting them to nurse on the breast of you know this evil that they are drinking in that's affecting that the way that they grow um go ahead kevin you're off mic
3: yeah so it's um so one of the things that that about marxism is that it is it is transparent and it is veiled because pretty much it's everywhere, okay? Uh, but it is not subtle. So all we have to do is is get woke up and we could see, wait a minute. When they start talking about DEI and everybody has to be in shared equity within our company, that's Marxism. Yeah, exactly, it is. Uh, when they start talking about We want to we need to level the playing field for social justice and increase the tax on the rich. Uh, That's Marx. Yes, it is. Um, When they start talking about um, we need to get rid of free speech now because Twitter is now the free speech platform and it's dangerous. Uh, That's communism. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So. So it's not subtle. But it is veiled and transparent because it is literally everywhere. All we what we need to do, the job that we need to do is open eyes, or make people aware of what it is. So they can then begin to do something and make some interventions wherever they see it. So they could say to their boss, you know what? This is Marxist, I think what you're doing. And Marx was an avowed racist. How could you I, I'm just confused. I, you talk about anti-racism here and you're putting up this policy and yet you're following the, you know, the schemes of a racist. So I'm, 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 help me to understand this. But we need to be able to have these conversations and confront people with, you know, things that potentially they're very ignorant about and help them to understand what it really, really
2: is.
0: It kind of reminds me of how we need to wear our masks. You know, you need to walk around and you you need to protect yourself. You need to, you need to guard what you're breathing in. Um, and so I, I'm not trying to make an analogy to COVID because we all have different thoughts about that, (laughs) but my point is, is that if you're breathing something in that you can't see and you can't taste, you may not think it's fatal. Right. You may think that you're okay and that everybody's okay until after a while people start dropping down on the ground because of carbon monoxide poisoning or something like that you know that's what i'm alluding to that like you're saying it's once you know what it is we know that carbon monoxide is not good for us but you can't really see it and you can't smell it right and so you could be sitting there dying or having your oxygen decreased because you're not aware of what's being seeped in and so that's why we have. CO detectors to help us because in our own senses we cannot detect that but it will kill you just because you can't see it go ahead Lonnie yes
2: yeah, So was, uh Kevin made me think of uh, Mark David Robinson in North Carolina who was just a regular guy blue-collar guy uh, I believe he worked for FedEx or something like that and and, and had enough of what he was seeing uh, within his community that he went to a city council meeting and spoke up and he just shared what was on his heart based on, you know, calling out the foolishness. And it so resonated within the city council and, and throughout the community that it started a movement of which they thrust them uh, to the front of. And uh to behold, he was elected uh, lieutenant governor of that state because of it. And uh, those are the types of things that need to take place that people get fed up enough that they have to say something, say something at your school board meeting and um, and say something at your city council meeting or wherever you have uh, access to speak up and say something. And um, it doesn't have to be particularly eloquent. He's just a very direct kind of guy and he spoke his heart and his mind and it stirred up, you know, those in the community that had the same, the same type of values which I think is the preponderance of Americans today. And they rallied behind it and he was elected to office. That's a great example of what can take place if you do speak up. Like Kevin says, this stuff is everywhere and it permeates and it's everywhere because we don't speak up enough. We don't say enough of what's going on. And and we do need to be educated and thank God for Kevin's book and Neil's book because they are great primers for educating you on the basics of what takes place. And you can take, I, you know, I can see uh, here I'm envisioning stuff, guys, is uh, if we just have a plethora of folks across the country that walk in with those books underneath their arms and walk into city council meetings and start quoting passages from the book, which should rivet those sitting in uh, seats of authority uh, within city council or school board or wherever it happens to be um, across this nation.
0: Amen. That's good because we we as people of faith sometimes are fighting to have positions within a four walled church, you know? We are fighting to have our voice heard, to be recognized, to to God gave me, I saw this and, and you know <laughs> take that outside. Take that outside and put that to practical use that can change the community, um, that can. You see, that's not a safe place. We don't understand it, right? Some of us have grown up in church, and so we understand the church flow, you know, all the armor-bearer stuff and the acknowledging and, you know, praising. We understand that because we've seen it. We, we We've grown up eating that, but politics seems so foreign to us, right? And it should not be, it should be, you know, the other way around that we see the community as the place where we are working and doing. And that's because evil again, religion has so brought us indoors into our small group siloed us made the pastor the you know oh i want to be like and all the other you know uh leaders that's what we want to aspire to when there is real world application for fivefold ministry now i know there was all the things about the the ten mountains you know about taking your gift and ministry into business and into workplace and on the different mountains. And I'm not for or against that, but I think there's something to be said about walking in what you need to be doing outside of the four walls of the church, because they didn't have four walls of church in Torah, <laughs> you know, they, they didn't have that then everybody lived and worked in their community and engaged in their community. Um And somehow, well, we know how, well, we know who did it or what did it, you know? And if we trace the history back, we could see how somehow we shifted from being small groups, community focused to now going to one location once or twice a week. And that's where we encountered and activated our faith. And then we went home and we just lived and it should be the other way around so um let me get to this uh last point here or two points so um let's see i did one two three yes i'm on the fourth point or thought to think about marx was a confirmed racist white supremacist womanizer and slaver pathetic and ungroomed moocher, virulently God-hating, non-working grifter, why is he respected at all? Why would anyone associate or align with Karl Marx? Hasn't Marx earned the right to be loathed and rejected by all? And our last point to consider, after considering their history and backgrounds, then reflecting on the receptive, respective influence they had on the worst despots in the history of mankind. Can you name any redeeming factor in support of Darwin or Karl Marx? And so um, that kind of gives us that summarizing of how we are clearly having the understanding of Darwinism. So what is atheism? Right? Because... I think if I were to talk to a Christian, I would say, "What's worse, atheism or Darwinism?" <laughs> they might say atheism, but it's almost that it's the same thing. So go ahead, Neil. Experience well, there's
1: the yeah, there's a couple of schools of thought here. I mean, one of them is that, um, and this is called, uh, and if you've ever heard of BioLogos, started by. Francis Collins, a man I find as despicable as ever after the COVID, 20, uh, COVID thing, he was in charge of the uh, uh, CDC or uh, whatever, the National Institutes of Health or whatever. And he uh, he and Fauci, and he's supposed to be a Christian. So but Francis Collins uh, came up with BioLogos. And BioLogos' whole thing is that God used evolution to create mankind to create humans and a lot of Christians have bought into this and I think it's pure nonsense because a couple of the reasons uh, If you say that uh, God used evolution to create humans I mean, I don't care if you say God used evolution to create mice or dogs or whatever. That's fine I mean, there's nothing wrong there because the Bible says, you know He created them on the fourth day all but man he hand formed him out of the clay, right and he breathed life into him so When BioLogos comes out and he says, oh yeah, God created uh, mankind using evolution, you have a serious problem here because then there was no first man. Adam and Eve weren't real people. Uh, There was no first sin because if Adam and Eve were just evolved out of a bunch of other creatures, then there was no Garden of Eden, there was no... Uh, Fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was no first sin There's no man sin nature and everything falls apart from that point on right so um, So I would say yes, it's very hard to be a Darwinian evolutionist uh, and also uh, a Christian but there are people I just just to be clear there are people who claim that and but I also want to add that Darwinianism is a failing theory. It's a theory in crisis. It has so many problems. And one of the biggest problems is it can't explain life. Where did life come from? It can't explain the Cambrian explosion. Uh, back in during the Cambrian era, rather than seeing um, a, a few species evolve, we see millions of species suddenly pop out in the fossil evidence. Um, and they're like, well, there wasn't enough time for these things to evolve, so where did they come from? And so they're trying to explain the Cambrian evolu- uh, explosion and they're having a lot of trouble explaining it. And so uh, Darwinian, and, uh, the Darwinian theory as it is is really um, collapsing upon itself even though people try to, now they're trying to Define new what a new what a species is. Before it was very clear what a species is. Now they're like, well, we don't know what a species really is, so we can't definitely define evolution. And so, um, and the other thing that uh, Darwin had, Darwin was quite convinced that as time went on, we would find the missing links, you know, or links, not just one, but millions of them. We would find all the missing links between species, and yet. since Darwin, we have dug more, we have excavated more than he could have ever imagined. I mean, he never thought the population of the world would be 8 billion and people would be digging for construction and mining and minerals and, and you know, oil and all that. And yet, rather than finding um, all the fossils kind of converging into some major species, we find them diverging. So now, if anything, there are more problems with Darwinism than there was when Darwin proposed his theory. So uh, it's, yeah. You know, so in question of is there a difference between atheism and Darwin? Atheists are dependent on Darwinianism to exist. You can have a Darwinian who's not an atheist, but you can't have an atheist who's not Darwinian.
0: Okay, I'm going to have you explain that in just a second. So I just want to read this definition. Atheism is one thing, a lack of belief in gods. Atheism is not an affirmative belief that there is no god, nor does it answer any other question about what a person believes. It is simply a rejection of the assertion that there are gods. Atheism is too often defined incorrectly as a belief system. To be clear, Atheism is not a disbelief in gods or a denial of gods. It is a lack of belief in gods. So the reason I'm pushing at this is because I'm trying to find a devil to compare it to. Right. You know, so people of faith, if if I say, oh, he's an atheist, like, oh, you know, we clutch our pearls and we back away. (laughs) You know, we put our fingers up in the form of a cross, you know, like. So that that would be to them, but what I want you to do is kind of show to us that atheism and Darwinism, Darwinism is probably the worser of the two. And like you said, you you did you say that we could have Darwinism without being an atheist?
1: Yeah, yeah, there are Christians who are Darwinists, right?
0: Okay. No,
1: I, to- I, 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 I think that theology is messed up, as I mentioned, right? Right. <laughs> so,
3: so, go ahead. So, what I would say is, uh, sorry to just break in here, is you, you, now I think about it, you're right. There are some so-called, quote-unquote, Christians that are Darwinists uh, or believe in evolutionary theory. Uh, I was going to say you can be an atheist without being a Darwinist, but you can't be a Darwinist uh without being an atheist. But I guess you there are some of those examples that you brought up, Neil. And I think they're valid. Um but but there is a distinction, okay? So there are some atheists right now today that I know that are not Darwinists. They don't they don't buy into um evolution and that races were all sort of all evolved in our own, you know, genetic stream and that uh you know blacks are somehow less than whites they really really believe that we were you know created equal now i don't i don't know how they believe that but they do and so and, and as a matter of fact there's some democrat pro-lifers who i've met that that believe that way you know they say look you know we're all created equal that's a that's a human life that's a baby in that womb and even though i'm a democrat and an atheist i am pro-life 100 percent.
1: yeah um christopher hitchens was pro-life yeah one of the most famous atheists right yeah
3: yeah so so that's an interesting thing but i don't think you will find a darwinist who um is not an atheist
1: yeah, see, so I think that, that is the distinction. I think there is.
3: Um, oh, yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. so, but, but what's interesting is with the atheists that you referred to, they, and, and atheists in general have a, uh, they have fun, some really fundamental problems with their belief systems because their belief systems have to all be preferences. You can't have a belief system. But I want to go back, before I come back to that belief system, I want to talk about, Regina, when, when atheists say, I don't have a belief in God, I am not making any assertion. They are in fact making the assertion that they don't think there is a god. And here's the problem with atheism and, and and is they realize that they nobody can be an atheist. You cannot have an atheist cannot exist. And you go, "Wait, what do you mean?" Well, a logical rational atheist cannot exist because you can never say there is no god. The only way you can say there is no God is if you have searched everywhere and you've looked throughout the universe and decided that you haven't found a God. But unless you can search everywhere, and the only way you can search everywhere is if you're omniscient. And the only way you can go everywhere is if you're omnipotent. You have the power to go everywhere. And the only way, (laughs) you see where this is going? So the only way you can say there is no God is if you knew everything and you were God yourself. So only God could say there is no God. An atheist can never say there is no God. He can only say, I don't think there is a God, which really makes him what we call an agnostic, which is, I don't know that there is a God. I just don't think there is one. And so atheists, after this philosophical argument came out, A lot of atheists go, oh, I don't want to sound stupid at the top of my voice. So I'm I'm going to redefine what atheism is. But atheism means atheism, meaning no God. There is against God. There is no God. It's the contrary to God. So that's what atheism is. So either they should find a new name for themselves, which is agnostic. And many thinking atheists have agreed that they are really agnostics, meaning they don't know. And so that's the first part. But the second part I want to go back real quick is that atheists have a fundamental concept with Um, with a whole number of things. For instance, the people who say that all men are created equal, well, who created them? Then they can say, well, okay, nobody created them. They came from somewhere. Well, where did they come from? There is no God. They have to have to evolve. That's your only other option. Um, So if, if they did evolve, then are one race more evolved than another race? Well, no. Well, I think they're all equal. On what basis do you think they're all equal? You don't have any basis. You don't have a scientific basis. You don't have a rational basis. But you have a preference. You can say, I prefer that all men are created equal, but then you still have a problem. So what if all men are created equal? If there is no objective morality, if there is no objective right or wrong, then who cares if all men are created equal? You can kill anyone you want to. You can treat somebody else differently. So all an atheist who does not believe in objective moral law can say is that I have a preference that all men are created equal. And so uh, in a sense, I think I mean and this is my personal use atheism is the more is the more um, bankrupt uh, principle of all because you have so many fundamental problems that you have to deal with I mean everything falls apart in atheism and they have to create their own little
0: preferences Thank you for that and
2: yeah.
0: what I'm pushing at is that People of faith can understand, I think, atheism and agnostic more than they can Darwinism and Marxism because we centralize our faith. We centralize God. And if you are against that, then, oh, you know, that's really bad. Like no Christian, no person of faith, well, maybe some would go around and teach their children to be an atheist or an agnostic yet. We embrace socialism and Darwinism. Right. And so I'm I'm pushing at by doing this comparison, I, I'm trying to shock <laughs> the people of faith to like, look, have you just heard everything we've talked about about Darwinism, socialism, Marxist? You can't embrace that. You you absolutely cannot embrace you'll gawk at an atheist, you'll gawk at agnostic, you will not teach your children to be that. But everything about Darwinism and Marxism and socialism does the same thing with our with our creator. It it puts man over God, gives them control, and and pushes back on everything that we think We believe. I don't know if if you understand that. So I'll go to Neil and then Lonnie.
2: No,
1: I'm sorry. I I wasn't commenting.
0: Okay, Lonnie. Lonnie.
2: I was just just going to comment. uh, I remember talking to my dad many years ago when I was a youngster, and I asked him about uh, uh, atheist, and he responded to me. He said, uh, "Son, I don't believe there's any such thing as an atheist." I said, really? Why is that? He said, well, you know I was in the military, right? I said, yeah. He says, you know I was in the the Korean War. I said, yeah, I remember that. He says, well, I remember laying in those foxholes and bombs are falling all around us and bullets are going over our head. And I saw grown men who said they were atheists crying in those foxholes, calling out to Jesus, God, their mama, or all three at the same time. So, he says, show me an atheist. I'll just show you someone that has not been put in a situation where they, they need to reach out and call out for for someone. <laughs> so I never forgot that when I was a kid.
0: That's good, Lonnie. I like that. I like that. So we're going to wrap up for today. Um, I hope that... If you're listening later on through the replays or on our podcast, that you got you thinking, and uh, also put put us in a place that might hold us accountable as an organization for some things that we may need to do or put forth to assist. And of course, I'm not the boss, <laughs> and so we will have a, a we will have a, a staff meetings. Tomorrow, actually, <laughs> and we'll be traveling together all this weekend. Oh, yeah, so let me say there will not be a live clubhouse next Tuesday as we will all still be traveling uh, back from the conference. So,
1: Regina, I just yeah. wanted to add one more thing. Yeah. So, uh, and I think this is important regarding to the book. What, what, what Kevin really articulated is that until Darwinism, though, the racism did not kick in. And the other thing that Darwinianism gave atheists, and and this is what a lot of atheists say, is they had no, before Darwinism, there was no intellectual basis for atheism. In other words, you could be an atheist, but then you looked around the world and you said, how do I explain how all this came to be? And so it was very tough to be an atheist. But when Darwin came along, and in the same way as it gave people the permission to be racist, it also gave them permission to be atheists. So in a sense, Darwinianism, you know um, while today understanding all this, when it started, Darwinianism actually was the cause of a lot of atheism. And even today we see a lot of atheists are atheists because evolution managed to explain to them what, uh, let me rephrase, managed to give them a lie about what was existing around the
0: world. Got it. Got it, got it. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to think about and um to continue to have this conversation. So uh Lonnie, Kevin, do you have any last statements before we close the room?
3: One last statement from me, uh and I'll try to make it quick. Um but uh Neil just brought up some wonderful, brilliant points as usual. Uh here's 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 something that we should all consider uh when darwin uh, uh before reading darwin uh and understanding some of his letters and some of his early observations et etc uh Karl Marx was actually a uh um, you know in, in a protestant faith he was an anglican i believe um and and came from a you know christian household uh stalin lenin Hitler. Uh, all were brought up in the faith and were from christian households and But after reading Darwin, it was over. It was like completely atheist, completely you know demented despotic uh, towards everyone and uh, you know practically everyone in humanity. So Darwin's work is very seductive and compelling and the danger is is when you think about it, it's infused throughout all of our uh you know academics from K through 16 um this this is problematic <laughs> because it's very it, if it's infused in there it has a demonic substructure that really is seductive for people 90 plus percent of all scientists are atheists because they they're they're fully immersed and Darwin's evolutionary theory. The other thing is uh, modern day uh, um, Hugh Hefner was a Christian, born uh, you know a Christian young man. Read Darwin's work, changed his life, and of course he started Playboy, and, and, and you know his life ended up how it ended up a few years ago. Uh, so that's modern day. And again, these people noted and talked about how. Darwin changed their life. So this is not something that we should poo-poo and say, well, Darwinism, uh, you know, it's not really a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's profoundly impacting people to this very day. So that's the subtlety and the danger and the demonism within that theory. Uh, and that's my last word. And we'll be uh, off next week, but um, look the to-
0: This is the end of our discussion today. Thank you so much for joining us. We would love to hear your voice, so please consider joining us live on Clubhouse every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next week, have a great day.